Apparently, I'm on a ghost ban by Twitter, whatever that means. Twitter will discontinue its newsletter product. Review. Climate deniers who had been deactivated are making a reappearance. Welcome to the inoculation. My name is Eva von Schaper. My name is Daivara Pechkaite. Hi, today we're going to talk about Elon Musk and Twitter. There's been a flood of news about Twitter. For example, that uh, it discontinued a newsletter product, some policies, and what else? Well, I think one thing we really wanted to look at is, um, is Elon Musk a bad influence on Twitter? Um, will there be a loss of content moderation, a loss of moderation around um, things like anti-vax content, uh, radical content, um, and I think that's something that's uh, quite interesting to look at. Yes, let's jump right in. Just as I was, I was looking at the news this morning, one thing that I saw was that um, Twitter has banned one account called at Elon Jet, which was an account that tracked Elon Musk's private plane. Why did, would Twitter get so upset about it? Twitter said that it had updated its private information and media policy to prohibit sharing live location information. But um, when the account was banned, this policy wasn't public yet. And it also looks like there were a number of other um, accounts that were banned, but Elon Jet was banned first, and then there was a delay of a few hours between uh, the banning of the account that tracks only Musk's flight and accounts that track other private jets. So there seems to be some kind of personal preference. Well, I go on Twitter a lot to see what my favorite Ukrainian accounts are up to. And uh, I've noticed that uh, they've been complaining of different ghost bans and they lost their newsletters. And also, apparently, uh, you cannot register a new Twitter account with a Ukrainian number anymore. Ah, that's interesting. What did you say? What is ghost banning? So a ghost banning is when Twitter doesn't really outright ban an account, but it just makes their, um, their interactions less visible to other users. Or um, uh, Okay, so it's basically making the account invisible. So you're allowed to send tweets, but fewer people might be able to see them and reply to them. Is that right? Exactly. Or it's okay. also called visibility filtering. Ah, visibility filtering sounds uh, a lot more uh, elegant than ghost banning, I guess. Yes, that's right. So uh, there's this policy that is called uh, freedom of speech is not the same as freedom of reach. So that's how uh, Twitter has been handling uh, different um, offending accounts without actually restricting them as such. Ah, okay. So he's basically saying you're allowed to say anything you like, but we don't have to guarantee that people will see your tweets. That's exactly right. And people will have to manually kind of type your handle and look it up and see what you're up to. Ah, okay. Oh, I could see why that would be difficult. 
But I think more relevant to our interests uh, is uh, the news that Twitter ends its COVID misinformation policy. A lot, of, a lot of people may not be aware that Twitter had a COVID misinformation policy. Yes, so they used to have this uh, five-strike system for accounts. Which means exactly? Okay, so uh, there are five levels of account le- uh, level actions against um, Um, Twitter users who have been posting misinformation. The first one means that uh, no account level action taken, but for example, their specific tweets might be hidden. Then two strikes means a 12-hour account lock. And then it goes up to five or more strikes, which means a permanent suspension of the Twitter account. So essentially, five strikes means the different levels of... um, strictness that Twitter takes against these users, depending on how much they post misleading content, whether it's just one odd tweet or a continuous uh, posting of misleading content. What we didn't talk about yet is uh, the fact that, of course, Musk reinstated Donald Trump's Twitter account. Well, this is something that I think many people might have anticipated. He ran a poll and uh, Musk said that over 50%, barely over 50% um, of 15 million Twitter users had voted for the ban to be lifted. So he likes to use his polls, doesn't he? So Twitter lifted Trump's ban, but Trump has not yet returned to to the app. He has not tweeted since um, the beginning of January 2021, which was then, which was when he was banned. Um, so it's not quite clear why he hasn't come back. Um, but one reason is that he's quite active on Truth Social. Um, and Trump has a financial stake in Truth Social. So um, it looks like he may fear that going back to Twitter would weaken Truth Social and his... Um, his financial interests. And after, after the poll of unsuspended accounts, Elon Musk tweeted, the people have spoken, amnesty begins next week. So on the 23rd of November, according to the company's website, Twitter stopped um, acting against uh, tweets breaching COVID misinformation rules. And this change didn't happen on other policies, so other fields of misinformation. And ABC News reports that uh, there was a launch of an anti-vax propaganda documentary. uh, And uh, the account has not been affected by uh, misinformation policies. And uh, and there was a spike of uh, anti-vaccination activity on Twitter. And different actors were uh, coordinating uh, to uh, to gain more visibility on Twitter, emboldened by this lifting of the different bans. There was also a surge of hate speech uh, and slurs on Twitter. Um, the, this comes from reports by organizations that uh, monitor the, these sort of things. Okay, can can you say um, is there an idea by what margin it came back? According to the Center for for Countering Digital Hate, uh, the use of the N-word on Twitter is triple um, 
compared to the average of this year. So this is since November. And slurs against gay men and trans persons is up um, by uh, almost two thirds. Okay, well, that doesn't sound very good. Or one more thing we have to talk about is, so Musk and Twitter reinstated tens of thousands of QAnon accounts that were banned after the January 6, 2021 Capitol riots. Wow, so this is going to bring back uh, all of their activity that we know from before the ban. Something interesting happened on Twitter um, related to QAnon or that looks like um, Elon Musk is directly promoting QAnon. So um, Musk, who has about 120 million followers, tweeted follow and then a rabbit emoji, which could mean, you know, if you're not familiar with QAnon, it's not really clear what that means. But since about 2018, um, saying follow the white rabbit is synonymous with QAnon. Follow the white rabbit is a line from Lewis Carroll's book, Alice Adventures in Wonderland. And um, it's made multiple appearances in pop culture and also the original Matrix film. But since 2018, the saying has become synonymous with QAnon. And it's also used to urge others to look into the movement. So this is more visibility than probably they would have uh, ever dreamt of uh, before the acquisition of Twitter. What happened within, within minutes after Musk's tweet, um, a lot of the QAnon communities on message boards, uh, Telegram channels, and on Truth Social, which is Trump's platform, uh, started to buzz with excitement. And um, there was some belief in those communities that uh, Musk was sending them a, a direct message. So Musk has said, no, he isn't. He dismissed those claims. But Twitter has reinstated a lot of the major QAnon accounts. And this goes hand in hand with, um, uh, with other policies of Elon Musk. So uh, firing content management teams, uh, dismantling uh, the sustainability arm, which takes care of climate disinformation. And uh, uh, various prominent users um, have seen their bans lifted. Why do you think he would be doing that? There's not a lot of clarity on what Musk's goal is in buying Twitter, and there's not a lot of clarity um, on what his long-term goal is, because financially, um, Twitter is not doing well, and a lot of people said he overpaid, uh, paying $44 billion for the company, that he overpaid grossly. Talking about uh, vaccines and disinformation, so Musk also um, took a shot at Dr. Anthony Fauci. Uh, Musk publicly attacked Dr. Fauci um, and Yoel Roth, who's Twitter's former head of trust and safety. So he tweeted, my pronouns are prosecute Fauci, taking a jab at America's top immunologist and uh, possibly scoring points with uh, critics uh, of the use of non-binary pronouns. So there seems to be a consistent uh, policy uh, here. And we also see this in other fields that, uh, for example, there, was a, uh, there are reports that climate denialism is on the rise on the platform. So 
that uh, people who look for news on the climate are finding uh, hashtags that claim that climate change is a scam. And climate deniers are feeling emboldened. And the Global Network on Extremism and Technology published uh, an analysis uh, saying that since the new policies under Elon Musk and and, uh, content moderation has been weakened, uh, there is a surge of uh, hate speech and promotion of violence, including uh, by the uh, so-called Islamic State uh, group. So the number of accounts associated with the organization uh, has increased by over two-thirds. And they're also using stolen avatars from real influencers uh, to repost the different messages by the so-called Islamic State. Um, how, can you, how can you steal an avatar? So these accounts are impersonating or uh, hacking accounts uh, associated with, uh, uh, with influencers. For example, there's a story of uh, how, how these accounts impersonated a fitness um, model with loads of followers. Uh, using it to post Twitter spaces where, um, and uh, amplify different tweets. So people who are searching for this model would uh, land on this account. And there have been numerous reports that the new paid verification tool uh, can be uh, abused more easily. And uh, different accounts can be verified without actually belonging to the people or companies they claim to represent. Mm-hmm. Okay, so again, it's really hard to see uh, what Musk is doing, because while he may be endearing himself to right-wing or audiences or just basically free speech-leaning audiences, um, it does look like um, he's scaring a lot of advertisers away and also scaring a lot of celebrities away. So some of the people who have left Twitter are, for example, um, Shonda Rhimes, the creator of the TV series Grey's Anatomy, who had a close to 2 million Twitter followers. Um, Tony Braxton, also close to 2 million tw- Twitter followers. And Whoopi Goldberg, as she said, she's done with Twitter for the time being on her show. That's really interesting. So why is Twitter not concerned that these celebrities are fleeing? Perhaps uh, Twitter thinks that the new influx of right-wing accounts will compensate for any losses. That would still mean that while he may have more engagement and more users, um, it doesn't look like the advertisers are coming back. So um, it's really not clear what, what Twitter is up to here. And so we're still talking about Twitter uh, space or Twitter network in English. So uh, there have been reports that uh, content moderation is even worse in in the smaller languages and where it was never very strong to to, do. And some people have been um, raising concerns that Twitter has become a public space where people communicate with journalists, with uh, journalists, different NGOs and politicians. And now it has become um, much more unreliable as such and is not performing its function. So one thing that has to be said that um, 
while a lot of people make fun of Twitter and we tend to complain about how much time we spend there, um, there is also a great feeling of loss. Um, if, if this public platform, even though it might not go away, if it's changed in a way that um, it becomes less usable, less interesting for a large uh, swatch of people. A lot of people have built, you know, networks, relationships, um, and connections, but also um, a lot of underrepresented groups, let's say disability groups, have really found a following and have found connection on Twitter, which they're not sure that they can replicate someplace else. Um, for example, there's one researcher who's leading a project to archive black Twitter. And um, she said here in an article on Tech Policy Press, she says um, that that um, while she's of course focused on black Twitter, it's not only it's not only black Twitter's problems because she's saying that these American oligarchs are purchasing platforms, um, and Musk has purchased Twitter, which is so essential to. Um, communications, not only in the United States, but really throughout the world. So it's it's not just these um, subgroups that are affected. It's really everyone that's affected by Musk's purchase of Twitter. Yes, and with Twitter, uh, this applies to all the uh, startups that it acquired, such as Review, which is Twitter now shutting down, which was a d Dutch startup for newsletters. Yes, yes, exactly. So I really think that one thing that um, is, a, is a question that a lot of people have to think about now is how can we as a community and how can a global con community really construct um, the idea of a digital public sphere in the 21st century um, and, then, and then move forward? And any ideas on that? Do I have any ideas on that? Um, they, well, we know there's, there are some, there have also been um, some specific attempts to recreate Twitter. I know that I'm on two separate wait lists for new apps that are looking to become something like a new Twitter. Um, I've also joined Mastodon, but um, as much as I like the concept of Mastodon, I've, I find it's not as interesting or as easy to use. Yeah, exactly. And it's um, probably less mature as a product. Uh, so, so that's why we're feeling that it's, it's a bit off. Then there's also... For those who are staying on Twitter, there's the idea, which I use a lot, to compile Twitter lists to bypass the algorithms. Because I've noticed that algorithms are showing me people I don't follow, but my um, contacts follow. Um, so using lists is one way to make sure that um, you still see the accounts you like on Twitter. One thing that I think is that I've seen, of course, on Mastodon, on Twitter, I have a few thousand followers, which is not a huge following, um, but I just to I use a program that allowed me to find the uh, to find users I'm following on Mastodon, and I think I ended up uh, finding a tenth 
of the people that I follow. So really, you can see it's a it's a much smaller space. It, it just does not give me the the huge view and the interaction that I get on Twitter. So for me, um, if if Twitter would become uh, material different than it is now, um, I would I would feel it to be a loss. That's right. Um, some responses are being developed uh, by the EU. And uh, uh, Thierry Berton, the EU Commissioner for Digital Policy, um, has announced uh, that there will be uh, new rules uh, on platforms like Twitter, known as the Digital Services Act, and they will take effect next year. And he personally talked uh, to Elon Musk, and they discussed Twitter's preparedness for, for the law. So now there's a question whether Twitter will apply one set of rules in Europe and a different one outside. That is indeed a good question. And I think there's also been calls for the FCC, the US regulator, to regulate Twitter. But um, I believe that still that still doesn't solve the problem if Twitter becomes unappealing because of Musk's ownership. Then there's still a question of where will people go? And as always, we're very interested in hearing from our listeners. Where are they going and where are they finding content they care about? Exactly. And thank you for listening today. Um, this is going to be our last show for this year. And we'll be back in mid-January with some new topics. So thanks again for listening. And have a nice holiday season. Whichever social network you choose to share it on or not share it at all. And don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter so you will hear all about our research free from any algorithms or social media interference. Exactly. Thank you. Bye. Bye.